Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. This podcast continues to gain recognition as a great resource for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals. From MSNBC's Your Business to Inc.com to a whole list of other sites worldwide, Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is enjoying inclusion on lists of the best podcasts to listen to. This is really uh, due to the wonderful guests that I've had the honor of speaking with over the years. They give of their time and their expertise so that all of you can do better things in your business, and today is no different. My guest is Nigel Green. Nigel builds businesses. He's built a career in sales and marketing and currently serves as the Vice President of Sales and Marketing at Reload, a healthcare platform that allows the marketplace to connect top healthcare professionals to healthcare's best jobs. From 2012 to 2015, he served as Vice President of Sales at Foundations Recovery Network, where he helped grow the business from $94 million to $350 million before selling it to Universal Health Services. In 2016, he served as the CEO at StoryBrand, helping teach businesses how to communicate with clarity. He writes on leading and building sales teams at www.findevergreen.com, and his work has been featured in Inc. Magazine and Business Insider. Thanks so much for joining me today, Nigel. Well, thanks for having me. Really excited to uh, spend some time with you today. Oh, I am excited about this. We're, we're going to be talking about listening, which I have to say is one of my favorite topics. Uh, so, uh, and, and, I, and I love clarity, so this is really going to be awesome. Um, I'd like to start 
by um, asking you to to explain to the listeners why you think it that listening is so important, like listening to your customers is such an important thing. Well, so it, it, I'll start with this. Everyone thinks they are a good listener. You know, as you bring up the topic for today's conversation about listening, and, and, and I've talked about this before on, on other shows, people, you get people, they nod their head and they're, yeah, I'm, I'm a good listener. But listening is more science than it is art. And I think that the best thing to do before we get into why it's so important for sales is it's really to try to define what good listening is. And, and really, the, it's one of those situations where the best way to define it is to just tell you what it's not. And good listening is not being quiet so the other person can talk. Yes, creating space for whoever you're dialing with. And in this situation, we're t- this is a conversation about sales. So if you're creating space for the customer to talk, that's essential. Being quiet is important, but it's not listening. And so what a lot of salespeople do wrong, they get the being quiet part, but their body language gives everything away that they're not really listening. You can see how they're shifty. Uh, they're either taking notes. They're either planning by writing things down. They're, they're planning. Or in their brain, when they're shifting, they're thinking about what they're going to say next. And if you're having another conversation with your notepad or with yourself, you're not listening. And your question was, why is that important? Well, as you're planning or as you're thinking about what you're going to say next, you are missing real problems that you can help solve for the person in the room. What you're thinking about is how do I take this and spin it into the feature or the benefit or get them to walk right into my clothes? And you're not giving the, them or their problem, the empathy it deserves. Therefore, you're compromising your expertise in the situation. And that's such a big, big problem. Oh, it so is. This is, drives me absolutely insane because you are so right. This is what salespeople do. They don't really listen. They act like they're listening. And, and even if they're, I mean, sometimes they're not even planning. I think a lot of times they know walking in the door, they're, it's just window dressing. They're, they're just asking the questions and being quiet because they've been told that's what they're supposed to do. They already have the script written before they walk in about what it is they're going to say and, and try and sell, regardless of what the person tells them. Well, you know, there are really are different levels of expertise and sophistication of, of the selling professional. And you're speaking to reps that are ignoring, pretending to listening or selective listening. And, and I have to believe that there are, that most selling professionals are actually listening. And so uh, Stephen Covey in his seven habits of highly effective people talks about the five levels of listening. And, and it goes from ignoring to pretending selective listening, which is where most sales reps, um, they, most of them transcend that. It's the bad few that give everyone the rap that salespeople don't listen. Most of them actually make it to attentive listening, but that's where it stops. And, and you don't make it to that fifth and uh, deepest, uh, most sincere level of listening. And that's called empathetic listening. And what that does is it helps keep the customer on track. 
It helps them to continue considering and exploring what may be an uncomfortable reality of their situation or their business. And uh, that is the best way to pick up on empathetic listening is body language and what we call reframing. And that is when the selling professional is saying things back in a different way. Sometimes it's just affirming or posing the question of their problem in a different way that asks them to sit with it, listen to their own words and think about it from, think about their own perspective through different words. That's interesting. I like that reframing. That's interesting. So go ahead. Cause this is really interesting for me, this empathetic learning, because it sounds like it's where the salesperson makes a connection with the person that they, I mean, is it that they are obviously really hearing them, but that they understand what they're saying to them, why they're feeling that whatever it is is a problem? So what, what you want to do is uh, you want to give reflective statements. But what, what we often do, and we've, we've, science has pared this down to eight common responses that we give as people. And, and listen, we're talking about selling professionals, but I do this with my wife. I do this with my friends. We're all guilty of this in just everyday life. And I think if we can try to catch ourselves making these eight common missteps in the way in which we engage with people, we'll just be better friends, husbands, wives, spouses. So we don't want to tell people. And this happens when we give an order. So they say things like, I don't know uh, if I need your offering. And then we just out of nowhere say your current, you know, your, the current situation is fine or um, everything's good. And so we, we just tell them something versus, and it's almost like in a, in a leading question. And that's, it's not helpful. What we should say in, a, in an instant like that, when someone says, you know, I, I just really don't know if I need your offering. Help me understand how you considered this and got to that point. Sounds like you've given it some thought. You know, and yeah. it just allows them to continue to explore it. Yeah, I, I have to tell you that... Um, one of my favorite phrases is help me understand it it changes the dynamic in so many conversations even between an employee and employer you know help me understand uh what happened here help me understand what what you're thinking what you're feeling that sort of thing because that's really what you're saying okay, tell me more is, is really what you're asking for so that you can learn more. Well, let's do this. I've never actually done this before. So let, let's give this a try. I'm just going to tell you the other seven without giving you an example. And then it, if you find one that you think we ought to explore or maybe we should spend more time on, we'll just go there. So the, okay. the, first, one is, the first one's telling. The second one is scaring. Then three is consulting. Four is tricking, five, combating, six, stroking, seven, counseling, and then the eighth and last uh, bad way to respond is a distraction. We distract them. That's interesting. I'd like to talk about distraction, but I'm about to sneeze. Um, I'd also like to talk about combating. 
So you pick which one you want to go with. So we'll talk, we can talk about them both. So com- combating is, is defined in a selling environment is disagreeing, which is pretty straightforward. Everybody gets that. But sometimes we can be combative when we judge or criticize the customer's decision. And sometimes we can be critical of a customer's decision to ask more time, delay a decision, consider other alternatives, and that's combating. And we don't understand that we're doing that in the situation. So what we want to do is remember that as much as we like to think we're the expert, and maybe we are the expert on our business, our industry, our offering, we need to remember that, that there's no way we could possibly have the expertise on the problem our customer is facing to the extent at which they do. And so when we combat them, when we, com- when we challenge that they're the expert on their problem, we damage our credibility. Interesting. Okay. Before we go to distracting, can you maybe talk a little bit more about the damage that it does to our credibility and then the damage that does to our ability to sell successfully? Sure. So let, let me give you an example. So okay. th- this happens sometimes when you have uh, multiple products or multiple offerings that you, uh, that you represent. So you, you may be sitting down, this could happen in a monthly or quarterly, some type of period review. And, and maybe it's just not going as well for the customer from their perspective. Sure, there are, th- there are things about the relationship that are positive. And certainly, you, you've come in prepared to highlight those things. But in total, they may not be seeing the value. So, you, you'll, you, you've got your documents or you've got your presentation together. And, and the client, you've given your pitch and they say, I just don't know if this service is actually saving us money. And you flip really quickly to the slide where you've, you've done the work to prepare them to show all the savings that you delivered in the last period. And you say, of course it is. Look at this slide we just looked at. Okay. You just picked a fight with them. <laughs> and we're laughing because we've all, we can imagine being in that room. We've all been there and seen that report or seen that salesperson go right back to the, the point they wanted to make, which was it is working from their perspective. Yeah. That's so great. It's working from their perspective. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Ugh. But, but then how, how is the prospect hearing that? So are, are they hearing that they're being told they're an idiot? What are they hearing? Th- th- they could be. The prospect could be hearing that they're an idiot. But it would be really dangerous for us to assume what they're hearing. The best way to respond to that is, I think I heard you say you aren't sure the service is living up to your expectations. And you stop. You shut up. And it's, it's awkward. There's a pause in the room. But you challenge the customer, not combat them. You empower them to tell you more. Challenge in, in an empowering way to say, I think I'm with you. Pull me, pull me along. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. 
because now they have to tell you why and where and which aspects aren't meeting their expectations. And that's where the work gets done. And, and is it true that that's, well, I was going to say, I was going to ask, is it true that that's the only place that you can go with them? I mean, to really make, get progress going in the conversation in the, you know, in the relationship or, I mean, what do you think? I feel, sometimes I feel like, like only is too strong of a word. Yeah. I don't know that it's as binary as that, but I think we would be uh, really naive to think that we could ignore that and not address it. Even if it's just, you know what, even if it's just, how about this? How about I come back? I'd love to hear where you think it's not meeting your expectations. And can you allow me to get back with the team and let's come back to you with some solutions that we can all agree on that might address the underperforming aspects of this relationship. Yeah. You may not get it done in the room right there, but I, right. I just don't think you can let it go unresolved. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's true. And, and it becomes more collaborative that way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's both of you working on it together to come to a place that you both feel good about. That's the essence of listening. I feel, yeah. I feel felt, heard, and understood. Wow. Okay. So, so if you would talk some about just what distraction is. So distraction could be uh, as simple as humoring them, changing the subject, uh, leading statements are are always a way to get the customer off track. So here's an example. Um, They may say, Hey, I noticed our spend on this product category went up 15 15, whatever, I'm making this number. It went up 15% this month. What's that about? And you say, well, what I really want you to see is that your overall spend was down by 3%, and that's what's really important. <laughs> see, see how that's Pretty like, terrible. I'm not going to answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so in effect, I'm saying, that's not really important. That doesn't matter. Yeah. This is what matters. Yeah. yeah. Your, your concern about this one spend area is not important to me, and it shouldn't be yeah. important to you is what we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> People laugh when I tell them what the correct answer should be because it's so simple. When they say, hey, Nigel, I, I noticed our spend on suture went up 58% this month. And I say, yes, suture spend was more this month. Would you like to talk about it? wait you mean having like a regular conversation with somebody because it could be as simple as yes mr customer you did 400 percent more procedures this month that required suture and your spend only went up 58 percent would you like to talk about how that happened yeah there's all these questions behind the questions and we just have to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. Okay. 
Um, I'm, I'm sort of pausing because this thought just popped into my head that is it possible that part of the reason some salespeople don't do this is because they don't have a response, like they haven't, they, they, they don't have a response. They don't have an answer that they think is a, a legitimate answer or is going to be positively reflective I think it, it sometimes manifests that way. I think it is that they are uncomfortable is really what it comes down to. They are just uncomfortable in that moment. They have not come to terms with this notion that sometimes I don't know yeah. is okay. Yeah. And so um, I heard there's a, there's a guy that I really admire. His name is Ryan Holiday, and he, he, in his book Ego is the Enemy, he makes this notion that uh, it, it's a direct statement. I've underlined it, and I use it from time to time. That as my island of knowledge increases, so does my ocean of ignorance. And it's like we can't just recognize that we learn a lot, and we're we are smart people, but there's always this bigger pool of things that we don't know. And we have to be comfortable to say, I just don't know, but I will find it out. I'm capable yeah. of giving you an answer. It just may not be right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's so so we, we, we sacrifice listening to the customer and being with them, having them feel like we're in union for the sake of, now or feeling the need to respond so once again it is more about how we're feeling and and what's good for us as opposed to what's good for the relationship with our client correct yeah interesting i have to take a quick sponsor break and then i, I would like to continue this conversation accelerate your business growth podcast is happy to be sponsored by audible.com Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. If you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are 80-20 Sales and Marketing by Perry Marshall, and The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. So visit audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today we're speaking with Nigel Green about the importance of really listening to your customer. So if I'm a salesperson, Nigel, and um, I'm out there doing my thing, how do I, and, and I'll say I'm a bad listener, how do I identify that I'm a bad listener? Yes, it's, uh, I have some simple and practical advice for you, Miss Bad Listener. And I'll, I'll start with a question just to enforce my point. How many ears do you have? I've got two. Okay, good. How many mouths do you have? I've got one. Okay. So twice as many ears to mouths. Yeah. The, the lesson, the practice is 
when we go into our meetings, let's keep track of how many questions we ask versus the number of statements we make. And if you leave that meeting and you have asked twice as many questions as you have made statements, you are well on your way to being a better listener. That's awesome. And it's I love so that. simple. That's awesome. It's simple. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It is really, I just love that because it is simple and it's something measurable that people really can do it. It's an exercise they can do. We have our sales reps do that. They come out, especially when they're in training, they come out. It's literally just a tally on a sheet of paper, you know, two columns, one strike for a question, one strike for an, an answer or an assertion, and they just tally it up. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, so one of the things that I tell salespeople is when you walk into a sales appointment, the prospect is going to say, so tell me about your widget. And what most salespeople do is they do it, and you shouldn't. You should say something like, I would love to. Would you mind if I asked you some questions first? so I can get an idea of what about my widget would be a value for you. That's a great place to start. It, it's a weird thing for me because I obviously I, I get it. I like it. I, I think it's so much easier. Um, and I think people hear this is what's funny because it's about listening, but I think people hear it, but they don't necessarily internalize it. So they get in that situation. They go right back to, what they know already. So I guess that's where the practice would come in of, of making the, the tally marks so that they can see what are they really doing. So what I like to do to get myself off to a good start on my question to statement ratio is when they say, tell me about your widget. And I say, happy to. Can I ask a few questions before I get started? So that's question number one. Can I ask a few questions? The yeah. answer is obviously yes. So we're good. We're off. We're together. We're creating union. We have 30 minutes together today, Miss Customer. At the end of our time, what would you have hoped that we have accomplished together? Oh, gosh, I love that question. And then there's going to be some things some potential opportunities that we need to discuss. And then I'm going to affirm with her. I heard you say that you wanted to do X, Y, and Z. Did I hear that right? Yes. Okay, great. Another question. Good. So I'm asking these little micro, getting these little micro commitments along the way. And what I'm doing is I'm showing to her, I'm solving her problems. I'm literally wow. fixing it right here. She's telling me her problems and I'm committing to fixing them. Isn't that what, what we want in a selling professional? Someone that's going to fix yeah. our problems. Yeah. You can't fix them if you don't know what they are. And so I'm getting her <laughs> to tell me the problems, and then I'm going to tell her I'm going to fix them. So this may sound like a somewhat strange question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is, is there ever a point in time when a salesperson should uh, respond to an inquiry about their product or service by email as opposed to phone or in-person meeting? Of course. Okay. Uh, 
Yeah, how I, would I they think... do that though? Because email gets weird, right? Because then you're writing stuff. So, well, I there's this little word I like to use. Uh, it's a four letter word and it's not a profane word. So don't, don't go there with me, but there's this little four letter word that I use in email all the time that implies email won't work. And it's the word is show. And so oh. people say, can you tell me about this or can you um, give me or send over this PDF? And I'd say, I'd be happy to show you this when would you like for us to get together so I can show you how I can fill in the blank or show you how this company can solve this problem? That's terrific. So, so if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that email's okay as a means of communication to get to a meeting. It is. We don't okay. sell over the phone and we don't sell over email. Okay. Now, I, now I say we don't sell over the phone. There are people that absolutely do sell over the phone. But most of this consult, this notion of consultative selling is done in a B2B setting. There's a lot of B2C stuff that is sold over the phone. And, I, and I'm totally with, with those, those whole warrior of salespeople out there that just, they have this spirit of getting it done over the phone. And it, that's context. If it's, if it can be done, consumer-based products, get it done over the phone. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. And, and you know, but, but things are, things are changing. Here, here's what, uh, huh. I, I will tell you that I don't like email, but here's what I do like. We sell in chat all the time. Oh, really? Sell in chat all the time. Because the, the context is a little bit different. If I'm chatting with you, I'm still right here. Email is send and forget. Mm -hmm. See the subtle difference? It's still the same. It's still typing words, but the context of chat and email is it's nuanced, but it's different. Yeah, I do see that. That's really interesting. And some people would prefer that. Absolutely. So I'm just, that's why I say I defend email and I, I meet a customer where they are. If they, if they don't want to get on the phone, but chat's a great way for me to show you because I can navigate while we're to get, we're still together. I'm showing is about getting us together. Okay. Okay. So it's about having a way, this is what it sounds like to me. It, it's about being in the moment live and whatever that looks like with the prospect or the customer so that you can be engaging in a real time conversation. Correct. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think that's really important because then you get the opportunity to make sure that you're really hearing them clearly as opposed to like one of the downsides to email is we put tone in it or we make assumptions based on what's in it or not in it. And so it's, it, it's probably more of a back and forth sort of thing trying to get to. Well, that and time lapses. Yeah. It, so like, it, and, and then I'm also distracted by other electronic messages. Your inbox has countless messages from countless senders. That chat portal is me and you. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. 
So I'd like to pull this just for a minute out of as a salesperson and ask you to talk some about um, ways that managers can be better listeners. Yes, um, we need more of those. So. <laughs> Well, it starts by reminding uh, my fellow managers that uh, our customers are represented by our team and uh, our team is our customers and we have to take care of our team so that they will take care of our customers. And if we don't listen to our reps or to our teammates, how can we expect them to listen to their customers? And so I think the conversation for managers is largely the same conversation we're having right now. The context is, a, is just a little bit different. I think where managers lose their team and, and make a choice to ignore is they forget that the team is their customer and that's the only thing that matters. We get caught up in reports. We get caught up in internal things with, with the product team or with finance and we ignore whether intentional or unintentional. We ignore the one thing that this entire business was created to do and that's create a customer. And so if, if there was one thing that I think would help managers become better listeners. It's to remember, because they already know it, but to remember that without a customer, you don't have a business. Without a sales team, you don't have a customer. What else is important today? Yeah. 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 That's great. That's great. So, so it makes getting that P and L out, not such a big deal or, um, you know, working on that next deck for the sales kickoff, not as important as just being with them, hearing them, helping them feel help, uh, helping them feel felt, heard and understood. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting Thing. I sometimes I feel like we're all moving so quickly. There's so much going on and things are happening so fast that the thing that gets left behind is the, the real present connected conversation. Mm -hmm. And so like there, I'm going to speak to the manager out there right now that's saying, well, if I had a team of eight, that'd be one thing. It'd be easy to listen, but I've got, 200 or 300 reps, how am I going to listen to all of them? And I say, well, there, there are tools out there like Waggle that allows you to send out the same set of questions or even different questions on the same frequency. It reminds you to send out the questions. Uh, people will respond back. You can listen on the macro level to the responses. You can identify trends. There's really no excuse for not being able to create that a framework for a dialogue. There's so many tools out there that allow you to, to listen better. Oh, that's interesting. I've never heard of Waggle. I'll have to look that up. That's interesting. So 
they have to have the intent first, though. They have to see the value in it and, and really have the intention to want to be having those conversations and see the value in it. I think, yeah, I, I think intention's important, but I think, you know, Diane, everyone's going to say, well, of course I have the intention to listen. I think it's the practice. And that's really what we're talking about here is, you know, everybody thinks they're a good listener, but listening is more science than art. It's a practice. You have to work at it. And so it means scheduling things, scheduling activities on, on your schedule that allow you to listen, whether that's one-on-ones or, you know, surveys or let's go get a cup of coffee. Let's go for a walk. If you don't schedule it, it won't happen. Just like if you don't write down your question to statement ratio in the meeting, you won't know if you're getting any better. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about, about that, about how you really do put it into practice. So it sounds to me like what you're saying is that, that, that the salesperson or the manager or whoever it is should be making some decisions about um, consciously, right? Making decisions about things they're going to schedule to give them the opportunity to practice effective listening. Yes. Okay. So okay. here's some really easy, just no-brainer things we can do. Right. Uh, you, you know how when you sit down at the meeting and the person you're meeting with puts their phone on the table but upside down just to let you know they're not going to check it? Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's not do that anymore. <laughs> let's, let's leave it in our bag. Let's put it in airplane mode. So I love how people, you know, they'll do this too. I'm going to put it on vibrate so it doesn't ring, but you can hear it vibrating in the back. (laughs) So annoying. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just put it in airplane mode. Okay. Uh, And I promise you it'll be there in an hour. I promise you. Uh, The other thing that we can do is uh, we, we have this notion of an auto responder in our email and we typically only reserve it when we're sick or on vacation. Right. But what if your whole day, is to be with meetings and you have other customers that may have a quick question, but don't want to feel neglected. So what I like to do is when I have a heavy meeting day, I put on an autoresponder that says something like this. Thank you for the message. I'm currently in meetings with customers and I'm giving them the same undivided attention you would expect from me. I will respond to your message as soon as possible. If your matter requires immediate attention, then please call or email this other person. Wow. That's sweet. I, I, just, I, I love just, that. Just the notion that you've put that autoresponder on gives you, I think it creates the space for us psychologically and emotionally to know that I don't have to look at my email. Right. I just, I, I just don't have to. It's, it's there. It's going to be fine. Because you communicated with the person. You let them know mm-hmm. that you got the message. Because isn't that usually the, the problem is that people email you for a reason. And then when they don't hear from you, they wonder, did you get it? Are you paying attention to it? Do you care? Or so, are you listening? Yeah. And so that autoresponder lets them know, I'm listening. I'm just yeah. listening to something else right now, too. I'm, I hear you. 
Just not right now. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's also a, a confirmation of your commitment to being present with whoever you are with at the time by giving them your undivided attention. Yes. And, and yeah. sales managers, here's, here's how this translates to you. When you're spending a day with another rep, you've gotten on a plane or you've gotten in the car with them. Don't take calls from other reps. That's the same thing as reading emails while you're in a customer meeting. Be present. Trust the, the other reps would appreciate, they understand it because they expect that same courtesy of you when you're with them. Yeah, that's a great point. You'll be at the airport later. You'll have plenty of time to re return phone calls. Right, right. So that sounds to me like those people also need to put that in their process. They need to say, okay, I'm going on this trip. Let me carve out time where I'm going to read and respond to emails, where I'm going to listen to and respond to voicemails. So they know they've got that scheduled. And they've got their autoresponder on letting people know what, you know, what's going on with them. So then they have, they're like liberated. They have the freedom to just go ahead and be in the moment. They're not, they don't have that nagging thought. If, or am I missing something? Correct. You know that feeling you get when you put on your autoresponder right before you go on vacation? Oh, yeah. You get the same feeling when you do it for a day of meetings. You really do. It's like, all right, I can, now I can just go be present in these meetings. And aren't we more productive that way? In the long I am. Run? Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, because it frees your brain. You're not thinking, you're not so focused on what am I missing? And that's what keeps a lot of us from listening is because we're distracted. Right. We're having right. another conversation in our head about yeah. other things that we should be doing and we've tuned out the customer that's talking to us right now or the, right. the employee that really needs us in this moment. We're not listening. Yeah. This is so great. I, I really, I so appreciate you coming on and talking about this because it really is um, something that's fixable, something that's you know manageable and so incredibly important to the relationships we have. I mean, as you said, not only in our business, but, but in our lives, and when we can learn how to do this, it, it just makes every, I think it makes everything easier. I think it, it, because you don't have to have repeat conversations because you weren't listening during the first go around. There's no cleanup really that you have to do. I think that's true. Yeah. This is awesome. Will you will you tell my listeners, you know, how they can find you and what you've got going on over there? And so, yeah, you can find uh, a couple of things to support this conversation on my website, uh, www.findevergreen.com. If you go there, uh, slash listen, findevergreen.com slash listen, you can uh, check out a long form piece of content that basically breaks down all of the eight common responses that lets everybody know that you aren't listening. And then some uh, really helpful responses that you could give uh, instead of those really bad responses. And then I have a worksheet that you can download that allows you to come up and uh, craft your own responses based on the types of objections that you 
typically hear. And you know, it gives you a, it's a really good exercise to write down. This is what I would typically say. Is it good or bad? And, and which one of these eight rules am I breaking? And then what's a better answer? Uh, and, and I write there about leading sales teams and uh, just what I think is common sense, but it's not that common in the world of selling and marketing uh, offerings. So I, I don't write as frequently as I used to because I'm busy building this uh, other business called reload.com, R-E-L-O-D-E. And we are trying to listen to the healthcare industry when they say, uh, if we want a good nurse, why not just ask a good nurse? So we've created this tool that allows for real healthcare professionals, doctors, nurses, providers to browse open jobs and refer themselves or their friends to those jobs. And when they do, we pay them a reward. So there's oh, no, need, awesome. no need for a staffing agency. We're saving the healthcare industry about 50%. It's a, it's a spend of, in total, the healthcare industry will spend $23 billion this year on staffing and agency fees. And we're on a mission to uh, try to cut that in half because we believe that the good doctors and the good nurses should be empowered to find more of them. Boy, no kidding. Wow. That's terrific. Congratulations. I think that that is a great thing. Yeah. Yes. Well, as I said, I I will definitely say it again. Thank you for this. I think this is going to be so valuable for the listeners to really listen to a couple of times because, you know, the first time you hear it, you pick up certain things, but you listen to it again and then going to findevergreen.com slash listen to get even more information on it is great. Thank you. Uh, so much for being here and listeners thank you for joining us uh, remember in order to get a free trial of audible.com and a free audiobook when you sign up go to audibletrial.com slash business growth continue to prosper and be curious and until we meet again on another episode of accelerate your business growth goodbye and good day at Zenni, you get the same quality frame and lens options that you'd get from an optician for one-tenth of the price, including blue blockers, progressives, prescription sunglasses, and more. The best part? Try on any frame, anywhere, with our 3D virtual try-on. Zenni.com. Eyewear for everyone. Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that asks you what you want to be when you grow up so you can graduate into retirement with a purpose and a passion, whether you're 25, 85, or any age in between. Gain actionable financial and mindset tips from your favorite authors, podcasters, and influencers to help you reach that exciting next chapter. Listen now and start building your path to financial freedom and reframing what retirement can mean to you. This is your host, Eric Brotman, reminding you, don't retire, graduate.